Welcome to the Conic Blueprint, where we talk about topics in the recruiting and staffing industry with the end goal to help improve people's lives. I'm Jen Fitzke with my co-host, Tom Gettle. This podcast is brought to you by Conic, a technical recruiting company focusing on architecture, engineering, and manufacturing positions in the Midwest. Find out more at conicnetwork.com. So good morning and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the Chronic Blueprint podcast, second live AMA or Ask Me Anything that we're streaming live here on LinkedIn. Clearly it's live. <laughs> Our guest today is Saul Rosenbaum. Saul is a registered engineer who has his bachelor's and master's degrees in mechanical engineering from Columbia University in New York. He has certifications from Green Building Initiative as a Green Globe professional and the Association of Energy Engineers as a Certified Energy Manager. Saul is the owner of SR Engineering and Consulting LLC, which supports the CRE world with energy engineering, green loan compliance, PCA review, and ghost trading. Saul has a passion for helping younger engineers and writes a popular blog for engineers titled The Engineering Mentor, which you can find at engineeringmentor.com where he dispels advice to young engineers. Saul, thank you for being with us today. My, my pleasure. Really appreciate you uh, inviting me here to, you know, to talk, talk about some of my interests and help, help that next generation. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's an honor to have you here, Saul. We're really, really excited to dig into your, uh, your knowledge and your insight. And we already have a great question from Brandon um, that we will, we will get to. He asks, um, We'll get to this in a minute, but he has really a question. Um, how is col- college beneficial anymore? Um, love this question, but we'll definitely get, get to that, Brandon. Thank you. And anyone else who has uh, questions, um, anything to do with uh, career advice uh, for employees and professionals um, on the management leadership sh- side, any questions um, to learn more insight into uh, what candidates are looking for, what they want, uh, what the job market looks like overall, definitely um, chime away and we'll we'll get to uh, questions. So thank you, Saul. Um, to start out with, you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, SR Engineering and Consulting. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, as um, Jim mentioned, I have my background in mechanical engineering and I went right into the energy efficiency field directly out of engineering school. And I've essentially been in that same field for the past 20 years, although I have sort of weaved my way back and forth into different areas of the field. About 10 years ago or so, I broke off, did my own consulting within the commercial real estate due diligence industry, still working on a lot of those energy efficiency projects, but it was really within you know, the mortgage finance world and green loans, those types of things. So really the same work but just with a different focus and a different client. I actually went back for a little bit full-time as things got a little overwhelming. That's you know sort of the consultant's dilemma where you always won't want to get more work, but then it falls on your shoulders a little bit too heavy. Due to you know various things with Corona, I'm still working for some of those companies, but I ended up opening my consulting once again, but I definitely have a focus on scaling you know, in, a, in a much smarter manner and hiring other people and really working with that with others as well so that I can grow, but it's not completely on my shoulders at this time. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic background. 
uh, especially for, for this conversation, will be very, very insightful for um, a lot of people across uh, the spectrum of engineering and manufacturing and architecture. So, so thanks again for being here. Uh, in addition to all that, you, you also have a very uh, popular blog called the engineeringmentor.com. Engineeringmentor.com. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that got started for you? Right. You know, this is those things where I've been helped along in my career by amazing mentors, by amazing supervisors who have really helped guide my career. And there's no question that I would not be where I am today if it was not for them. And I honestly thought this was the norm, that everybody sort of had those people. Of course, not every one of your coworkers is going to be helpful. Not every one of your supervisors is necessarily going to be as good as another. But I always have the impression that everyone had that guidance. And in addition to that, I also have a lot of engineers within my family. So I, I was really able to navigate the field pr pretty well. And it really helped me get to where I am today. About, you know... 10, 15 years ago, I was talking to some other engineers and I mentioned something about my mentor, taught me something, and they were like, wait, what? Yeah, it sort of caught me off guard. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Not the norm? And that was the time that I found that, no, it really is not the norm. A lot of people don't have that guidance. They don't have someone to turn to for questions. At that point, I was already helping just the younger engineers within my company. I did try to branch out a little bit and it was about five, six years ago that I kind of took it a step further, created the website, the Engineering Mentor, really to help reach out to other people, have a newsletter with that. I started last year actually with some small courses, but the tension is really just all the disseminated information, you know, make sure almost all of it is entirely free because I really just want to help out the next generation of engineers as my way of paying it forward for all of the senior engineers that helped me get to where I am today. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Great. Thanks for getting us up to speed on that. Uh, we have um, a couple questions um, that we had for you, but at first I would love to get to, to Brandon's question. Saw it. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's such a, a timely question. He asks, how is college beneficial? Uh, he just added a little bit of background. He said, um, okay. a little background on the question. I started a business out of high school and sold it six years later. Now I find it difficult to secure I'm sorry, difficult to secure employment that aligns with my experience without, in my opinion, a pointless degree. Um, yeah, and my, my, I guess, add to the question too is, is uh, you know, in light of education becoming so expensive and increasingly so, and so many uh, positions at the engineering level require a four-year degree. Um, in the meantime, we have... Um, so many new technologies that someone with a very strong interest and desire to learn the skills that are required for job, you name it, um, can learn the core uh, skills in a relatively short amount of time. You'll much, much less than four years and already hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt that you end up with afterwards um, without the guarantee that, that that'll solve all of your all of your career issues, you still you still have to work really really hard um, to move on after that after that degree. So, really back to back to Brandon's question for you and, and Jen too. Feel free to jump in. How is college beneficial anymore? So, I, I think that this is a, sort of a two part question. To some extent, no, you, you don't need a degree to actually do a job as long as you are getting the training. You know, you could have some sort of 
internship type program, some sort of apprenticeship. If that were to exist, I think a lot of jobs could be done without, you know, without the college degree. Now, yeah. the other that the other side of that is that you know, especially in the engineering world, the college degree has become you know it's this four year degree in the U.S. You know, three to five in other countries. There is definitely a lot of stuff in there that I don't use on a regular basis. That you know, there's a course that I took the course, I never saw it again except for one of my licensing exams. And the problem with kind of condensing that, because at least, you know, if you could say, hey, let's make this a two-year degree instead of a four-year degree, a lot less onerous. The problem is that we don't know what we're doing down the road. So I think that, yeah, long story short, there are some jobs where, unfortunately, you do have to have a degree. I know that in the engineering world, you probably won't get a job without it. So that that's... It, it, it is a bit of a catch-22. The one thing that I would tell Brandon and people like that who had experience to bring it to the table is that if you're going to apply for a job through the standard method or actually the accepted methods of online applications, you might have a harder time because once they say, oh, you don't have a degree, that, that's like an automatic no. Whereas if you go on a more networking approach and people get to know you and really see, oh, wait, this guy's experience is really, you know, one to one matches up with what we're looking for. Maybe we can work something out. I think you might have a little bit more luck, uh, you know, kind of using that angle as opposed to the online application angle. Yeah, really, really good. Jen, anything to add on that? My thought about the four-year degree for engineers, because there's, there's also a two-year degree for engineering. And so why a four-year degree? Um from an employer's perspective, let me play devil's advocate a little bit here. You have an employee who's not only really focused on the engineering of it and the technical of it, but they see somebody who's taken classes in general, right? Your English classes, your writing classes. Maybe you got brave and took a speech class. And so you're more of a well-rounded candidate and then potentially more well-rounded incoming employee. Not. I, listen, I, I definitely agree that having a well-rounded employee, having them have knowledge in other areas is important. Even, you know, some of my engineering classes, you know, it's like thermodynamics and heat transfer, really, you know, that's the basis for a lot of the energy efficiency work that I do, even if I'm not working them specifically. So the knowledge definitely helps out there. But I think as a system, I think we're starting to see that just the cost of the degree, the way it's set up, it, it is a... Um, you know, it's sort of this uh, goalpost that people have to get past, but it's not always uh, the best uh, system there. So yeah. I, I, would I would definitely, I definitely advocate if we, if we could try to change it to some degree. I think that would be uh, be a benefit to a lot of people. Right, and you touched on something here. You talked about networking and how that is going to be a really beneficial step to somebody. And I know this is something that you spend a lot of time in your blog going over for engineers, but let's talk a little bit about if somebody's never networked, they're just getting on LinkedIn because they need it now, because it is a critical component for recruiting right now, at least in our world. How does somebody start? How do they go about networking? What are the do's and the don'ts? I think the biggest do is to be yourself, not to you know be this fake personality and not to be afraid to put things out there. Because a lot of engineers, when they start networking, they only network with engineering topics in mind. 
So therefore, somebody would come to me only talking about energy engineering. They would only talk about building envelopes and different uh, technologies that are related to that because they see, oh, that's related to the work that I do. However, real, real connections are made with those. Those are not outside of the realm, but the real connections are also made when you see somebody has some of the same interests or the same hobbies as you have. So if you're putting out there these hobbies, let people know about these other things, these other extracurricular activities that you have. Let your profile be a little bit more personal. People can really connect with you. The other thing that's a, a big do, it's a, it's a do and a don't at the same time, is be a giver and not a taker. So don't start asking people for things coming up. You know, if somebody doesn't know you, they're pretty unlikely to help you out and go out of their way. They might pass along some quick information, but not really going to help you. If you're just a giver, if you come on these platforms and you start conversations, you join somebody else's post w- within the comments, you're going to find that they can be much more appreciative. You're making that connection with them. Then down the road, you can help. And I think just what, what, one last point, that's also a, a sort of down the road idea, is networking is not something that should be done right when you need it. It's something that should be done starting now. Whatever, wherever you are, just start now. This way, when you do need it, you have it prepared. It'll be a much higher quality network than if you just decide last minute, hey, let me just start calling people and try to develop that network. I love that. And it's not a transactional action. It's, right. it's a development action, something that you use for the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I love, Brandon, you, you chimed in here. Could you elaborate in networking? And you guys just covered it. I, I would suggest that, Brandon, you are networking right now. You're getting to know us. We're getting to know you through the messages. Um, you know, feel free after this, reach out to me or Jen, and we'll definitely network, network with you and get to know you a little bit better and see see if we can help um, in any way through from 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 here forward. So, thank you for thank you for the question, Brandon. It's awesome. Uh, great. Yeah. yeah thank you. If anybody else has uh, any other questions, feel free to drop them in the box. And in the meantime, uh, Jen, I believe you have a follow up question. I do. So. How would you suggest, we're going to go now to, to interviewing. We've gone, kind of skipped over applying, but how would you suggest candidates answer interview questions, specifically a hot topic right now is compensation. So how should they answer interview questions around that? For example, if the question is, what are your salary expectations? What is your advice to that young engineer? Right. Well, I think the first step before you even get to the interview is to know what we you know. What is the fair rate for someone in that position, in that city, you know, at that level that you're applying? Because, listen, you might come out of engineering school and say, "Hey, you know what? I want to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars." And good for you. If you can find that job, just just go take it. You know, right out of engineering school. But that's not reality. So you have to know. Okay, what what are we dealing with here? And then, so there there are. I know Glassdoor. I think there's some others. I don't know them offhand. But also talk to the people within the industry to find out what is standard. And then also think about what's important to you because that number is obviously one of the big key things, but also, you know, the work hours, the work. Some places are straight up nine to five. They will never call you in the evenings. There are other places that have serious deadlines that are, you know, fairly often occurring that you're going to be working you know, 60 hour weeks. 
the other, and also as well as benefits, what type of jobs you want. So that you want to make sure that you put it all together into that package, but definitely do your research beforehand. And then you can come to them with a number. It, the tough part here is it, it is a balance balancing act because if you're really desperate for a job, you know, you might be willing to take less, but is that really in your best interest? It might be. Listen, if you can't pay the bills, you take that that job and say, hey, I'll stick around here for a year, and that'll be that. But remember, during this whole process of interviewing, this they are on their behavior treating you as best as they ever will. So if you feel like they're not being fair with you at this point, chances are they won't be fair with you down the road and, and live up to the expectations that you're having for this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Great. <laughs> I love that that last part. It's all very, very good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Jen, any more on that point? I have a, I have a, I guess, follow up question to that. But uh, anything well, else? Well, I just wanted to add for for engineers who are self getting in that industry to think about if you're going to come out of college with your, we're going to just pick on the mechanical engineers right now because I was a mechanical engineer by pilot. Okay. <laughs> So if you are an entry-level, and this is happening right now, if you're an entry-level mechanical engineer who's coming out of college with your bachelor's degree and you want to go make $80,000, don't apply at the company that's got 15 people. You know, they have a certain specific revenue of which they can pay their employees. If you're going to, if you want to make higher money, you have to look at different industries. You have to look at bigger companies that have the revenue to pay that. I just want people to have realistic expectations. And this is something they're not thinking of right now. I just wanted to add that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I would also add that, that if you have, you know, you're looking at Glassdoor, you're looking at one of these things and you see, hey, this is what the uh, salary, if you're aimed at the top of the range, you also want to come to them and say, hey, this, this is why, I'm that up top candidate. These are the extra skills I bring that really meet what you want, as opposed to somebody who just you know just barely meets the requirements. So certainly play that up, and a lot of that comes back to how much research you have done beforehand, talking to people in that role and saying, hey, what other skills are important for this role that may not necessarily be advertised for the role specifically. Excellent point. Really good. Uh, so my follow up question to that. Uh, around salary expectations, uh, there's a lot of discussion um, offline, but I obviously I see it a lot online um, around um, putting compensation in the job advertisement. So in the, the online posting, whether it's on uh, a company's website or in Indeed or the hundreds of job job sites. Um, to put the salary range in that versus versus not. Uh, I believe New York City is, they have an ordinance where any position that's located within the city of uh, New York and in, in uh, Manhattan, um, employers are required to include their uh, pay in the job advertisement itself. What are your, what are your perspectives on that? Well, it's interesting. I, I had not heard about New York City. I know Colorado, I believe, has a statewide uh, issue with that. I, I think it's a good thing because in the end of the day, if you say, hey, I need to, like you know, Jed mentioned, somebody says, I want to make $80,000 a year. 
that, that's not a question of fair or not. That is what you are aiming to get. And if you are going to automatically turn down a job that somebody says, oh, well, listen, the salary is only 50000 why, why should you waste your time going to the interview, going through the process? And also, why should you waste their time? They're going to take the time reaching out to you, connecting with you, and having these interviews when they know that regardless of what they offer, even if they go 10 15% higher, you have no chance of taking that. And I think it's even worse when somebody has a job and they're sort of looking for other things. They, I've heard of people taking, you know, using their vacation days because they saw a position, thought it was better, went through three interviews to find out it's the exact same thing they're getting paid now, but for more hours. I, I think it just makes for more transparency. And I really haven't had a, anyone tell me a good reason why they should not put it out there. And, and put, a, put a range. A range is fine because I understand people come with different skills, but I haven't had a, anybody give me a good reason why they shouldn't at least put that in there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, one I could just, I could think of, um, is, is has more to do with, um, internal, um, policies, internal budgets. Um, it, it you know, put in an internal employee, let's say uh, any, any company, let's just say Microsoft, any employee can look at Microsoft's descriptions and, and see you know, as a Microsoft employee, oh, there's a job posted for the exact same thing that I'm doing, but it's 15% higher. Um, that can create internal, creates internal, maybe a slight headache and work for the, for Microsoft internally, but that doesn't make the, the, the reasons to include them any less valid. If, if that's the case, if, if you are bringing in a new employee that has equal or less experience, than an existing employee, that's that's an internal discussion that needs to be to be resolved, right? Um, but yeah, I agree one hundred percent to your point, Saul. It creates so much more efficiencies in the marketplace to just put the put the salary out there. Not only you get more candidates, you get more engaged candidates, people who feel well qualified and and very interested. They're not thinking like, "What's the pay? What's the pay?" They they're going to go through that whole process. They already have a good idea of what that pay range is. And then it's a matter of, okay, how do my qualifications line up to that role uh, in order to get, you know, salary at the top end? Do I need to hit all the, the bullet points under the requirements to hit that top pay grade? I, that's a, that's part of right. the discussion back and forth would be around not not this dance of, oh, how much are you making or how much are you making now? Or how much do you, how much do you want to make? What would you accept that if you just, Put that all out there in the marketplace just creates a lot more efficiency from 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 my perspective my, my opinion right no ab- absolutely because the fact is you know i run a small business if i'm hiring somebody i know hey listen this is the range that i can pay someone if you're going to be doing more work or more efficient work i'm happy to pay you more but at the end of the day i have a range like every company has a range they're not just shooting in the dark they know what they have in their budget so at least share something so people can get you know, an idea of where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Jen, anything more to add on that? Not right. No, no, I think we're good. We've got a couple more questions that we can address if you want to. Absolutely. Yes. Reading through them, we have one from Bert and then uh, another LinkedIn user. Uh, Bert, uh, with all due respect, to your collective points of networking investment, 
In today's market of professional shortage, recruiters are more transactional than long-term networking in nature. Is there interest in learning about the candidate when there isn't a slot to fill? Can I take this one? Please. I'm like bowing to the right seat and ready to go. <laughs> Thank you, Bert, for the question. <laughs> Bert, that's an excellent question. And my answer to that is absolutely there's value in talking to a candidate who you don't have a slot for. Um, one of our values at our company is the is it's investing in people and the, and for the long term. And I think personally, transactional recruiting is really short-sighted. Uh, I don't know where you're eventually going to go to work. Are you going to eventually become a client? How can I help you? Can I help you network with one of my clients? Or if I don't have an existing relationship with somebody, can I refer you elsewhere? I think if you put, for us, if you put that good in the world, it will come back. It, I, you know, Tom, I'm just, I'm so fired up about this, but I really feel that it really, really, really is how I feel. If, if you're transactional, you're short-sighted. You need to invest in people. And I'm sorry if that's been your experience. Reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. It's certainly Bert's, Bert's experience is, is legitimate, and he's had, uh, um, I'm assuming he's had experiences around that. Um, that that uh, definitely is a very real part of a professional networking, Bert. So but by all means, your, your question and your background to it is, is very legitimate, uh, definitely. Saul? Yeah, and Jen, I certainly agree with your approach. Um, Bert, I'm actually not not a networker. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a recruiter. I'm a heavy heavy networker. Uh, my my outlook is really to think about networking very similar to the way that you would about hurricane prep. You wouldn't, you know, if you see that storm coming in, that's not the time to run to Home Depot and start buying stuff to board up your windows, to start buying water, to start buying supplies. You want to have the network set up, and you want to have connections with people who you can then turn to at some point in the future that you don't really know what that sort of, you know, what that purpose would be specifically. You're just making those connections. I like to call, you know, business friends. So that's the way I network and reach out to people. And there are certainly, you know, as Jen mentioned, there are network recruiters who network in the same manner where they are connecting just for the sake of connecting. They might have a role that they thought was good for you. Turns out, hey, this isn't good, but let's stay in touch because who knows what comes on the pipes? And that, if you find recruiters like that, those are the type of people you want to network with. And just people in general who network with that, you know, who knows, let's see where it leads attitude. I, I think you often have better results in the end. Yeah. 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 And another user, just to, to mention in the, in the chat, they'd uh, mention they showed up for interviews and they, they thought that they thought that I would be okay with being paid $13,000 less than someone with my experience. It pretty immediately ended the interview and I was frustrated because Glassdoor and other sources indicated that they were within my pay requirements. So it's another, another um, background story on, on our, our previous conversation around uh, compensation and, and showing that. Uh, just another example of, of um, creating efficiency in the market and just um, you don't want to what that what that 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 candidate experienced they they remember it you know this the that experience may have happened five years ago and and they remember it crystal clear uh, and they they know the name of the company that they didn't volunteer with you know please don't need to mention the name of the company but <laughs> but they know who that is they probably know maybe even the person that lined up the interview um it's just really really longer term maybe isn't isn't um 
uh, helpful experience for that individual. Right. Absolutely. I think that, listen, if you're talking about, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, I understand where there's complete disconnect, but I really don't understand, you know, companies that make these decisions, they go through the whole process and then they try to short change somebody a few thousand dollars, you know, 13,000 is sort of like in that, you know, middle ground, but they're really, they're, they're wasting their time. If they would have just told this guy up ahead, say, Hey, this is what we're offering. He would have realized, okay, sorry, you know, I'm looking for more. It's not worth it. Not worth my time. Just, you know, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. How about we shift from, um, it's a little bit, it's going back to the networking question. So many engineers and technical professionals are introverted in our, in this discipline. And they become anxious in a room full of strangers. They're networking, a lot of networking events are at a bar or at a hotel ballroom or whatnot. What are your tips to help people be more comfortable in those moments? Right. So I, I think that a lot of it has to do with expectations and also sort of managing your mindset. The first thing to keep in mind is that if you define yourself as an introvert engineer, then you're going to kind of go out there with that. The truth is that most people are, you know, there's the super extroverted people, the super introverted people, and then we're all sort of so- somewhere in the middle. We have introverted tendencies within certain, you know, places, certain, uh, you know, certain certain events, I should say, you know, where you're in these positions and you just don't feel comfortable. So in, in that sense, I think ch- change the mindset of thinking that you're completely introverted and just see yourself on this range and try to find that comfortable place. The other part is the expectations. When you go to those big events, if you go in there thinking, all right, here we go, 60 minutes of random people who I don't want to talk to, but this is what the job entails, that can be very overwhelming. If you go in there with the expectation, start small. Say, hey, I'm going to meet one or two new people. I'll be there for 10 minutes and I'll leave. And then leave. Don't stay because then you're going to have that bad experience. Just leave. If you don't feel comfortable staying for 60 minutes, build up to it if that works for you, or just continuously go for 10 minutes. Find, you know, find places that are comfortable. Find some of the events that are a little bit less formal where you can go to and just feel more yourself. I would also recommend go with a friend. If they are more extroverted and more comfortable with those experiences than you are, have them drag you along because it's a lot easier to sort of be that extra person, join the conversations when you feel like it but not to have all the pressure on yourself. The, the other thing to keep, that, I, that I found works a lot with uh, a lot of more, more introverted engineers is to have some questions or topics in mind. Keep these, these with you. I had one guy who really, he would just freeze up. He actually kept a few cards in his pocket with questions. He'd sort of look, look at them between talking to people. He, would just, he wouldn't pull them out when he was talking to someone. I think that would probably be a, a little odd. But he would look at them beforehand just as he's walking out to people and just, okay, keep that question in mind. The more you do it, the more you feel comfortable with it. I think, and one, one last thing I was thinking about, small talk. A lot, a lot of engineers, they, they just want to go right, right into a project, right into engineering, and they sort of jump over the small talk, that little chit-chat that happens, you know, let's say before a meeting or just when you're catching up with somebody. Like I said before, that you want your profile to be, you know, about you and not just about work. That little chit chat helps make those connections, help so people feel more comfortable with you. 
So d- don't overlook that. You want to have that little small talk. You know, a lot of engineers look at, you know, me- meaningless conversations. That's actually the part of the conversation that really helps build the network and build the connection. So it's not meaningless at all. And that's the simple things like I can hear people yelling, like, but what is the question? But for small talk, but I think like small talk could be, how was your drive in? Gosh, isn't the weather crazy? You know, things like that, that are universal that everybody can talk about. Right. It, it can be. And the truth is, it can also be something that is, you know, work related. You can ask them, you know, say, tell people to go to whatever your engineering association is, go to the local chapter meetings, because that's where you meet people from, you know, very experienced to the new fresh engineers, like a lot of the engineers I work with. You can talk to them and say, hey, what, what's the craziest project you've ever worked on or the craziest story you've ever had? This gets them out of a strictly engineering perspective and reminds them about that crazy time they were in some city in the middle of nowhere, their car broke down. It, it has nothing to do with engineering specifically, but it really helps them lead the way and help guide them. The other thing that is, has been very useful is ask people, hey, what's keeping you busy these days? Because it's a personal question where they can then take the reins and decide, okay, I'm going to talk about you know, my DIY project I'm doing at home, or they can talk about a very specific engineering project that they're working on. So it really helps them lead the way, keep them comfortable, and you don't have to do a whole lot of work to really force you know, stuff out of them. I love that. Thank you. Uh, well, really, really good, really good uh, advice for a lot of people, engineers, architects, anybody, <laughs> anyone. Yeah, I know. Fine. I think you know. I think like my perspective, like you walk into a room, it's, it's, um, you, you're interested in the content. Maybe there's a speaker, but there's a networking social beforehand. Uh, and to your point, if you bring a friend, it's great. Like maybe there's a, one or two people that, that, you know, a couple of people that your friends know, and that can be, you know, just a 20, 30 minute conversation meeting, meeting the, the connections. Uh, but it is hard. You walk into a room full of people that you don't know and you walk in, you, you don't recognize anybody. And the first thing is like, okay, go to the bar. That'll, that'll, that'll kill some time and that'll, that'll, that'll help. Uh, and then, right. and, okay, you get, get to drink and okay, now, now what happens? Oh, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> but you know what? Even if you're at the bar, if you see somebody getting like an interesting cocktail, just, just be curious. Like, hey, that looks like an interesting trick. You know, what, what, what is that? You know, get them talking about something because you're making a connection. And I think that if you're avoiding, you know, talking to them, if it's not about engineering, you're missing out. And these are the little things. Just there, there's your in. Hey, what, what, what's that little, you know, funny colored drink you just ordered? You know, go for it. I'm going to add one more point to this. I know we're closing in at time, but it made me think of, so how do you build your network up from there? You could go one at a time. But Paul, to your point, as you mentioned this before, as you talk to people and they're finding out what your interests are, if they know Nancy over there likes the same thing that you do, you know, maybe you talked about how your kids do Pokemon Go or something, I don't know, and her, and you just happen to know you've talked to her about it too, and her kids do it, you could you just do an introduction, it's a great introduction, right? Here's Nancy, her kids do Pokemon Go, isn't that funny? And it's nothing about anything, right? But it's just a conversation starter. Right. 
No, absolutely. And I think that to add to that, because somebody can always pass you along to someone else, you shouldn't limit yourself to networking with, you know, a very specific group. I think if you're doing outreach, you know, you're sending emails or you're looking for somebody perhaps on LinkedIn, I understand having a target demographic that you basically would like to reach. However, if you find someone who's outside of that, they just seem interesting, or you meet somebody in person, don't shy away from the connection because they're not in that demographic, because you really never know. I've, I've had engineers who I told them, I said, listen, if you are looking for a job, everybody should know you're looking for a job. You want to be out there with it. Let everybody know. Don't just reach out to engineers. And it turns out he got a job through his, the, the secretary and his church because he was just talking about what he was doing for the summer. He mentioned that he has an engineering internship and he's looking for some jobs. And she goes, oh, my, my brother is in engineering as well. And that was his connection. Whereas beforehand, he would never have even mentioned engineering to this secretary who had, you know, she herself was not in the engineering field. But here she had that connection and he would have missed that, that opportunity. Yeah. Really good point. It's amazing. It's great. Well, if anyone has a, a question, definitely jump it, uh, drop it in the, the chat. Uh, we'll move on to another um, section here of the live podcast. We like to call the lightning round. Uh, quick answers to get to know get to know you a little bit better. Saul, are you ready? All right. I'm ready. All right. What are your favorite free time activities? Uh, I definitely like uh, DIY projects around the house. I always try to have something going on there. And also something that I started several years ago was, you know, walking and jogging outside. And that was because, you know, once I started working from a home office, you know, I was, I was a trendsetter. I was, I've been working from a home office for 14 years. And I'm not the uh, newcomer from COVID, but there were days where, you know, we started tracking my steps. Like I had a Fitbit at the time and I realized I could do like a thousand steps. I wasn't going anywhere. I would go from my bedroom to the office, down to the kitchen to get coffee. And that was it. I would, kind of go back and forth between those areas. So I really had a concerted effort to get out. Um, the other thing I like, you know, you see, see back here, huh? a lot of my uh, nonfiction books, I definitely have a passion for p- picking up new books and seeing uh, what's out there. Awesome. That's great. Uh, what are your favorite, what, sorry, what is your favorite mu- musical artist? Uh, my, my theory is that once you sort of get a, a genre in high school, that's it. You sort of never go past that. They just sort of stick within that. So I, I'm still, I listen to Guns N' Roses and Metallica all the time. Nice. My, my wife does one, my wife does wonder how I listen to that really loudly and still concentrate on my engineering work, but I haven't had any issues yet. So it's, it's those two and then other bands of, you know, similar type of bands within that. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm right with you with, uh, with Guns N' Roses and Metallica, probably my, my top two. <laughs> Excellent. All right, and the next next two uh, underrated or overrated. So just uh, answer either underrated or overrated. Um, what would you say? Where does Justin Bieber fall in? Underrated or overrated? <laughs> oh, I don't, that, that's that's completely not my genre, so I don't know. But <laughs> I don't tell you. I, I would I would actually say, based on my limited experience, I would say underrated because I think it's pretty impressive what he's done, you know, he has this notoriety, he has this uh, success. So, you know, good, good, good for him. I mean, 
I don't really know exactly all this stuff. So like, if you've done anything crazy or wrong, don't don't blame me for that. But I, I'll go with underrated. I think it's pretty impressive that somebody of his age was able to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at his his early YouTube uh, recordings, just the raw yeah. power behind all the the drama yeah. and craziness. It's uh, brilliant. <laughs> All right, and then the other one, uh, underrated or overrated, the metaverse. The metaverse? Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with underrated on this also because I don't think we really see what it is yet. We don't really know what it is. But to me, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been working from home for 14 years. So for me, the acceptance of Zoom, the acceptance of, you know, even LinkedIn Live has really been an upgrade for me. I know people who are starting from the point of in-office interactions it's a bit of a downgrade in terms of those connections. So I look at the metaverse as something that could sort of increase those connections to some degree. We're already working from home. We're already working in remote offices. If we can make those internet interactions more standardized or inc increase them, I I'd say it's a good thing. Yep, that's, that's great. Good, uh, right. And before we wrap up, Saul, can you uh, give everyone um, uh, ideas on how they can get in touch with you. How do we, how do we reach you? Yeah, I think the best way to reach me, you know, anybody who's here on LinkedIn live, certainly reach out to connect. Um, one of the things I do recommend is always using the add a note feature, but that you don't have to, you can tell me that you saw me here, definitely connect with, with me here on LinkedIn and especially for the younger engineers and even, you know, mid-career engineers, head on over to my website, theengineeringmentor.com. We'd be happy to uh, have you there as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Saul. My pleasure. I really, really appreciate the invite. Yes. Thank you for being here, Saul. Appreciate everything. Excellent. Take care, everybody. And certainly, anybody who wants to reach out and keep in touch, happy to help where I can. Right. Thank right. you, Saul. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for joining this episode of The Conic Blueprint. Brought to you by Conic, a recruiting company focused on architecture, engineering, and manufacturing in the Midwest. Find out more at ConicNetwork.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Also, follow this podcast for the latest episodes. We're excited to hear your thoughts, so please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Conic Blueprint Podcast. Podcast.